this first practice that we did, this series of practices we did this morning of uh, learning to descend through these layers of what we want on the surface to why we want it, to what really matters to us, in which in the language of NVC we're, we call needs, these deeper universal human needs as one practice. Very powerful, just that shift. Even before that shift, as Mickey said, just being able to identify what I want. Being able to take what I want and, and uh, discern underneath why I want it. And then the next step of being able to explore our relationship with the need, with why we want it. And this is so much where the practice of NVC and and, uh, Buddhism and Dharma practice come together around the grasping, the attachment that can come in and how to hold those needs lightly, to learn how to accept and acknowledge them without this needing to have them satisfied in the way that we want. So we're going to continue to to look at, do some practices to look at the obstacles that get in the way of having more choice in our lives, having more coming from a place of inner freedom. Um, One thing I wanted to offer or just sort of name is that in the practice we did at the end of the morning, we shifted from the experience of the need not being met right? The experience of not having what we want, that contracted state, how to shift from that to more of this spacious, connected place of just recognizing, oh, I have a need for this. It's perfectly okay. It's more than okay. It's human. It's universal, right? How to, how to make that shift. And that's one training that's essential in cultivating inner freedom. Another training that's essential is learning how to be with that space of the need not being met, right? That if we can't also do that, our freedom is going to be limited. So those of you who have a meditation practice, whether it's a Buddhist practice or another practice, I think will be very familiar with the training of sitting in the discomfort of something, or if it's not sitting in some other posture, right? Staying with it. And just learning from the experience of friction, of not wanting, of what that's like, and allowing that to unfold, and learning how to let go, how to find peace within the discomfort of things not being the way we want them, right? And just to meet it the way it is, say, oh, it's like this. This is what it's like to not have this need met, and how to find the space in the heart to be with that. So we're going to move into another exercise that comes out of Mickey's work to, uh, that I think also speaks to that practice of learning how to be with what comes up when our needs aren't met. So I, I want to kind of elaborate a little bit on, on what Oren was just saying, that um, most of us, um, unless we have a strong practice of one kind or another, do a lot of things to avoid being uncomfortable. 
I know it's not applying to anybody who is in this room, but I know there are some people who do that. Um, and when we are in that kind of relationship with life, of avoiding discomfort, it limits our freedom. Because in order to be free, especially to be free in a world of unfreedom, I don't think I'm breaking any major secret news to you uh, if I tell you that the world we live in is a world that is structured around unfreedom. So if as a solitary individual within a world of unfreedom, I'm going to make choices to be free, it is likely to create friction between me and the world. That friction is likely to bring up pain, fear, anger, helplessness, a whole bunch of feelings that none of us enjoy very much. Um, and that um, experience of recoiling from those feelings uh, limits our freedom because then consciously or unconsciously we will avoid those situations or activities or choices that run that risk. So there's something um, very uh, strange about the idea, but true, that if I want to be free, I need to master the difficult emotions, to be able to stay present and alive and grounded when difficult emotions are present, instead of shutting down or acting out. So that's, that's, what the, um, that's what the purpose of the next segment is. And I want to tell you a little bit about my own journey with this, um, which is just mine, so I'm not making any generalizations about it, but it's been interesting. Um, the first emotion that I can say that I have a high degree of mastery in is the whole area of emotional pain. And um, I've had emotional pain my own life, uh, my whole life, sorry, my whole life. Um, I happen to be a person that is different from the norm. I think all of us are different from the norm, but I have, I've, I had less capacity than maybe other people to hide that about me. I remember my, my sister once stood with a group of people and said, how many of you have felt like outsiders? Everyone raised their hand. She said, no, 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 you don't get it. I mean, like, for real, like you really knew that you were an outsider. Everybody raised their hand. So uh, um, somewhere inside, our sense of belonging is not, is not strong for most of us. Um, and... It is also the case that many people adapt. And I'm, I think, maybe constitutionally incapable of adapting beyond a certain thing. So I have been up against a lot of difficult reception from the world from the get-go to this day. 
um, for years I was trying to hide my sensitivities, trying to not show that I was in pain. And as I began the awareness, I opened more and more to experience the pain and be okay with it. I've had a practice of vulnerability f that has been my core practice for the last uh, 19 years. Uh, I've gotten pretty good at it. And there isn't any less pain, but it doesn't phase me at all. That's what I have found. No less pain. I'm just, it doesn't limit my freedom hardly at all. The second emotion that I've worked with is shame. And my experience with shame has been very different, which is that the more I walk towards shame, the less shame I have. So different from the pain. There, um, I have decided that I have, I have a goal of becoming 100% shameless. And notice how shameless has such a terrible connotation. And it is what I want, is to have no shame. And I'm now at about 95% and I feel really, really, really happy about it. It may lead to more pain, but I'm really okay with that. So there's a way in which the shame has been burnt through. So there, it, I, I, what I am concluding from it is that the path with each emotion is not going to be the same. And, and, and this, these two examples are enough for you to just start pondering for yourself. Which emotions do you recoil from? Which emotions do you disappear into? A lot of people disappear into anger. Um, for example, it's a very different animal to have anger and to engage with it, to let yourself actually feel it without being required to do something, to learn from it, to inquire, to breathe as deeply as you would try to breathe if you were having fear, to, to consider it an experience rather than a command. Uh, so those are, those, so those are the, the, the kinds of things that I would like you to consider as you imagine this practice. So the, the kind of like the, I would say, the, the core emotions that I have identified are, again, the whole cluster of emotional pain, despair, that whole thing. There's shame, fear anger and helplessness. Those are the ones. And I'm curious if anyone has something that is fundamentally not falling under one of these five. Yeah? I've got the nothing. Numbness. Yeah. But how do you, how do you, I mean, do you deal the same way with when you go inside and there's nothing there? Do you nothing? Sure. And Usually, um, without knowing you or engaging deeply, I, my, my intuitive guess would be that numbness is a um, um, strategy that our organism has developed in order to not feel something else. So that would be the thing that I would 
have you ask yourself inside when you start in examining the numbness is some question like, if I were not numb right now, what might I feel? It's a very powerful protective strategy. It allows us to cope and survive in, in very difficult <coughs> situations. And it's at high cost. Any others? Mickey is. Yeah. Could you just say the five again? Yeah. Uh, pain, shame, fear, anger, helplessness. Jealousy. Hmm? Jealousy. Jealousy for me would be um, uh, in the fear category. It's a particular... It's a particular kind of fear that has a strong attachment quality to it, and it, I, I still think it's in the fear of what would happen, you know? Yeah. Just coming back to the numbness piece, in my mind, the way I would conceptualize that and understand it is it's almost on a different axis, that there are these five, you can say there are these five categories, and that any one of them, when they reach a certain level, the system becomes overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and, then, and then there's the numbness. Mm-hmm. I would put that under anger. Anger. It's a very, very mild form of anger. It's some of the fight response. Irritation, annoyance, impatience. It's that energy connected to the fight response of anger. Mm -hmm. Yeah? When you say that we ought to, or that that it's good to explore these um, and really delve into them, would you recommend sort of, conjuring up um, um, events when these might occur or just waiting for you to naturally arrive? Um, the question is, um, am I suggesting uh, conjuring up these feelings in relation to something that happened or just wait and be ready um, for when they happen? Uh, in a moment... I'm, I'm going to invite you to have an experience um, of one such, you know, conjuring up one such event. So that can be a form of practice. I wouldn't do that, you know, kind of like all the time. Um, the real practice in real life is to notice when your emotions are preventing you from doing something that you want and then move in the direction of what you want anyway. And again, not going to the alarm zone, just enough to stretch your capacity and to notice your limits and be tender with yourself and learn. But that's, that's the real life practice. How many things that are really important to you have you not given yourself out of fear? Is, is that true of you? Or not said. Or not said yeah. out of fear. Yeah. When my, when my sister was, um, you know, she, she had cancer for seven years, so she had plenty of opportunity for more practice than anybody would want in a lifetime. Um, and one of her practices was dealing with anxiety. 
And um, initially she had quite a bit of it, and over time she had less. And she did a variety of things, but one of the things that she did was um, go with it. It's like, what is the anxiety? It's like, oh, maybe the, the, you know, my marker will go up. Okay, and what then? Uh, then maybe nothing will work. Okay, what then? Then I might die. And when she would get to that place, she would say, that would be really sad, but it's no reason to be afraid. And literally was able to shift herself out of that anxiety by probing it into it to, to this degree and was able to live more fully as a result. So this is an example of where anxiety can keep you very, very, very um, in a tight loop of spinning and where she was able to work her way through that. Um, so it, it's just an example. The, the, the overall direction is to go in the direction that your emotions tell you not to. And building resilience. Nobody can tell you how fast or slow to do it. Uh, I would just say, if your habit is to over-challenge yourself, then do it less. <laughs> if your habit is to stay close to what's safe and comfortable, then do it a little more. You're the only one who would know that. And just, just to add to that, the two pieces that, that I'm wanting to highlight in what Mickey shared are one, that the example of using working with anxiety in one way just speaks to the fact that with all of these emotions and for each of us individually, coming to this place of mastery around them, of not allowing them to limit our choice and freedom in life is going to look different and it's going to require different skillful means, right? That's one. And then the other one I want to highlight is the sense of resilience is one skillful means that I find incredibly important, which is actually cultivating um, the opposite, cultivating things that, that, that lift us, cultivating joy, cultivating connection, cultivating gratitude, cultivating playfulness, that it, it, when, we're, when we're dealing with difficult emotions, it's like we need, we need another reference point to use as a resource mm -hmm. in relation to them. And if that's not available for us, that might be where we need to start, actually, mm -hmm. is to cultivate gratitude, to open our heart, to really feel a sense of joy and aliveness so that we're working from a base of, whole, of more wholeness and joy, and then from there to be able to meet them and engage with them. Um, I also um, want to say that I make a big distinction between mastery and control. Uh, I am not at all advocating controlling our emotions. I, I think of that as, as unhealthy and dangerous. Um, I, I actually think that the more we try to control, the less mastery we have. Uh, think of, a, of a, someone that, let's say, is a masterful at playing an instrument. They're not controlling anything. They're in a certain kind of flow. They're in a relationship with the instrument or with the practice that is one of great ease actually so that's what i that's the image that i that i would hold as mastering emotions that i can really be relaxed in their presence 
And, and um, an image that I sometimes find helpful is an image from the Bible. I don't know if all of you would know it. There, there's this story of Moses going to the mountain and there is a bush that is burning. Uh, and the bush is burning and it's not consumed. That to me is the, the, uh, um, the powerful metaphor. It's not like I'm going to turn off the emotion. It's that I am strong enough to allow it to be and it doesn't consume me. Um, one last image they hear it comes from the focusing world, where um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to imagine something because I have no way to draw. But imagine as the stick figure that is a human being, um, and and put in that image somewhere, kind of like a big circle around that stick figure that is some kind of a difficult emotion, and you can see in that image that the human being is at the mercy of that emotion. It, it surrounds them and there's nothing left of them. Now draw in your mind a different image of where the circle of the emotion is the same size, but the stick figure is double the size. Then the emotion is contained within the human rather than driving the human. That's what the practice results in. We become bigger uh, spiritually and emotionally, so that the same emotion cannot take us over. So there's a multiplicity of paths and, um, and um, images that you can use for the practice. And what, uh, yes? Yeah. Just think despair. Just think despair. Heartache, despair. The question was not thinking of pain as a different emotion. So, what I would like you to do right now is um, to turn to one or two people next to you and just take a couple of minutes to do two things. One is to just kind of like debrief. This, uh, we're talking about things that are of great intensity and depth. Just an opportunity for you to just kind of like talk out loud what's going on in you as you hear these practices, these ideas. And the second is see if you can think of a situation in which there is a strong emotion that's preventing you from the freedom that you want, from doing something that you know comes from your integrity. I'm not talking about the freedom to do whatever you want. That's not the kind of freedom that I'm talking about. Talking, here we're talking about freedom to act from the depth of, of our integrity, from the depth of our core values, from what really matters to us. So. These two things, whatever you need to say, you know, there's like, how is all this reaching you?
What are your thoughts and feelings? What arises in you as you hear what we're talking about? And the second is to think of a situation in which a strong emotion is interfering with your ability to act from that inner place of freedom and choice. Question, questions about the, the, this? And just to add again, keep in mind this, this rule of thumb that we're going for a three or a four, right? Mm-hmm. Strategic discomfort, don't choose the most difficult thing in your life because we're trying to learn a tool that we can then apply in more situations. Uh, thank you for that yes. reminder. And if you know yourself right. and you already have mastery at three or four, you can think five, six, seven. <laughs> Please no tense. <laughs> and the other side of that is if you know that you tend towards intensity, mm-hmm. as some of us do, a no, six really? or, <laughs> a six or seven for you might actually be more like an eight or nine, so maybe pull it back, and vice versa. If you know that you tend toward, oh, everything's all right, I'm just going to relax, maybe to, to bump it up a little and challenge yourself. Right? Um, so use your inner wisdom to choose an example that's fit to work where you want. There's a meta principle here. The meta principle is that you gain freedom by doing something that is out of your habit. So if your habit is intensity, in this case, you gain freedom by being less intense. If your habit is to hold back and tone things down, you gain freedom by allowing more intensity. There's no right way. Okay. How long, how long are we going to uh, Maybe like three minutes each, more or less. So take about nine minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.